hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. A new dawn is coming to the U.S. stock market, and it's time to throw out the investment blueprint of the last decade and prepare for a massive shift. If you've lost money over the past two years, this changes everything. Hi, my name is Mark Chaikin, and I was hired to create three new indices for the NASDAQ based on what I've learned in 50 years on Wall Street. So believe me when I tell you this shift could send dozens of stocks soaring sky high in just the next 90 days. But this is an extreme setup I haven't seen in years, since before the 2020 crash. The last time this happened, you could have more than tripled your money by just owning one stock. And I'm revealing this number one stock to buy today, 100% free of charge at newaistock.com. The question is why? Because everyday Americans will be impacted mostly by what's coming. And I want you to be on the right side of the table when this shift happens. Don't delay. Just visit www.newaistock.com. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Okay, winter is on the way, and if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat, and that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action, number one. And I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat, and wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CBS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because they are the best. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, glad you're with us, and happy Monday. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. 800-941-SEAN. Kellyanne Conway. Michelle Malkin is here. Michael Cohn, Executive Vice President, Special Counsel to Trump. 
We'll be debating the infamous Chris Hahn of the Chris Hahn Show. And what a busy news day we have. You know, there is Trump derangement syndrome that is unfolding before your eyes. If he saves 1,100 jobs by doing what all 50 governors do every day, oh, it's got to be horrible. There, There's a disconnect in this country. And I, look, the single thing I think I'm most proud of in my life is the 20 years of real work that I have done. And it has kept me fairly, and I say fairly, grounded. And you've got these overpaid television hosts and radio hosts that don't seem to understand the plight of the forgotten men and women in this election. And, you know, how many times have I told you, oh, joining us in studio is Governor Rick Perry of Texas. Joining us in studio is Governor Abbott of Texas. Joining us in studio is Governor Bobby Jindal of Louisiana. Joining us in studio is Governor Rick Scott of Florida. Well, why were they up here all the time? They were up here in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and they were poaching big companies to move their facilities and their jobs down to their states, incentivizing them with all types of tax breaks, lower taxes, less bureaucracy, less regulation, fewer issues involving unions, etc. Now, this deal apparently has not been read. I mean, it's being called everything from economic fascism. These people don't even know what it is. Then and everything in between carrier is going to spend 35 million dollars 16 million alone revamping the plant in indianapolis so they can continue the business that started there in the 1950s the only contribution or promise by trump is that he is going to push to get his 15 percent corporate tax rate And eliminate the specific regulations that is driving companies like Carrier to get the hell out of the country. Now, of course, cheap labor is partly an incentive, but that's not everything. Regulation, bureaucracy, confiscatory taxation contributes to an environment where they can't make money. Why? Because there's only so much the average person is willing to pay for an air conditioner. That's just the reality. It's one of those items. When it breaks, you got to buy a new air conditioner. I've done it many times in my life. You go down to the local, what, Home Depot, whatever place you need to buy your stupid air conditioner, and you go buy it. And you you try and get a reasonable price on the best unit. You want to pay as little as possible, just like you don't want to pay a fortune for for a water heater or a furnace or any of the other things we homeowners deal with every single day. It's just the reality. I'll give you another example. There's only so much people are going to be willing to pay for a quarter pounder with cheese, a Big Mac, a Wendy's quarter pounder with cheese, or a Whopper from Burger King. And if you're paying people $15 minimum wage, no students are ever going to get a part-time job again. They'll probably automate the making of these burgers And nobody's going to have a job. So, you know, all these things begin to factor in here. 
But the reason these governors come up to New York constantly and the reason they've been successful in bringing business back to their states is because of regulation, taxation and a business climate that is conducive for them to make money. Because there's no reason being in business if you're not going to make money. You got to make a profit to stay in business unless, of course, you're the federal government. Those rules don't normally apply. Um, I was watching. So I know this. All 50 governors in this country do what Indiana just did. Okay, you invest $16 million in the plant. You invest $35 million in the state. And, yeah, we'll give you a tax rebate. That's exactly what happens every single day of the week. And that's what these governors offer these companies to take their corporations and all the expense associated with moving their company out of New York and New Jersey and down south someplace. North Carolina is doing it. South Carolina is doing it. Florida is doing it. Louisiana is doing it. Mississippi is doing it. Texas is doing it. And they're all doing it successfully. And it should be a lesson. You know, I'll give you an example in New York. Andrew Cuomo. Remember these stupid ads? Oh, New York is a great place for business. No, it's not. It sucks for business in New York. The worst place to build your business is in New York. You're going to pay exorbitant labor costs, exorbitant property taxes, exorbitant rents, and you're not going to have a chance to get a return on your investment. It just doesn't work that way. So... I sent a note out to, um, I'll tell you why I sent it. I sent it to Don Jr. And Don Jr. is a really good friend of mine. I mean, I've gotten to know him. I have knew him before the campaign, and I've known Eric Trump for a long time. And I, I, I can say straight up, they're both friends. You know, you've heard them. They've been on the program. I kid around with them a lot, and they're great guys. And they worked really hard for their father, and I know they care greatly about the country. Anyway, so I sent him a note last night. I also sent it to Newt Gingrich. I was watching this guy who's going to be on the program tomorrow. His name is Joe Max Higgins. He was on 60 Minutes. I watched Paul Ryan first. Paul Ryan, I think, is doing my TV show on Friday. That's what we have him booked for now. We'll see how that works out. So he was featured on this show. They call this guy the coach. And the coach, this guy was a genius. The Golden Triangle in the Mississippi area had so many people out of work he would fly, he actually incentivized the helicopter company to build there because labor was fairly inexpensive, but the workers are still making fifty dollars or $100,000 a year. He incentivized a steel company. They were all shopping where they were going to build it. They're going to build it in Arkansas, are they going to build it in Tennessee, or are they going to build it in the Golden Triangle? So this guy, the coach, would go to his local government and say, look, I'm flying over, and this is the perfect place for industrial development right here. He'd fly the helicopter that was built at the helicopter plant that he incentivized to to build down there in the Golden Triangle. And so what he did is he would talk the local government into spending money on roads and sewers in anticipation and as an enticement for these companies that want to build facilities to build there. So it turns out this guy's a huge success. He's got all these guys working in the steel mill that they built from scratch down there. Now it's highly automated and they got a lot of robots and a lot of machines. But I think if my memory serves me right from last night, they got what, about 600 jobs that pay 100 grand each or more. 
In other words, the workers are being paid. They had this one guy there that had four kids. He says, how's it working out for you? And he had another job previously that didn't pay him half as much. And he says, yeah, I have a bigger house. I have more land. I said, I have the ability to t- have a new car, and I have the ability to take care of my kids with less stress and worry than I've ever had in my life. Well, this guy ought to be put in charge of any infrastructure that this country is going to move forward with. Nobody seems to understand how economics works. Everyone wants to focus in on Donald Trump is focusing a, a tariff war. My prediction is we're never going to get there. We're not going to get there because he's going to renegotiate trade deals that are far more favorable to the United States. In other words, if you really think about it, why does China get to tax General Motors, Ford and Chrysler vehicles at an exorbitant rate that nobody in China or Japan is ever going to buy an American car? Well, we're taking their products into the United States in record numbers, and we're not doing it to them. So free and fair trade is something worth fighting and negotiating over. So anyway, I want to play a little bit of this guy. I don't. You got him booked for tomorrow, right? Was he surprised that you called him today? What did he say? They call him the coach. This guy just impressed me. So I wrote Don Jr. wrote me back. He said, "Wow, he was pretty interested in the guy." Anyway, so I'll, I'll go to cut two. This is um, cut seventy-eight, Jason, and this is Joe Max Higgins on how we won the contract for the Golden Triangle. The Yokohama contract. And this is when he literally was so diligent, he found out through the flight records of this company where all of the executives were flying so he knew who his competition was. I believe this is for the steel plant. And he said, okay, he went about this entire plant. Okay, how many plants does this guy get done? He's got so many, a lot. And then in the middle of all this, they lost Sarah Lee's pig slaughter part of their business. I didn't even know Sarah Lee had a pig slaughter part of their business. And that put a lot of people out of work. So these jobs were needed more than ever. Here's how we did it. Once we started winning, the game got easier. We competed on a nationwide search for that Yokohama Tire Plant. 3,100 counties were evaluated. And we weeded our way through and beat every county in the country to win that project. What was it that you did to make the Golden Triangle stand out for Yokohama? Well, you have to listen on all these projects. You seriously have to listen to what the issues are and what the concerns are. We spent a lot of time uh, reviewing planning and zoning minutes, uh, reviewing newspapers of the competing communities. Eventually, Yokohama narrowed down to three communities, okay? One in, one in South Carolina, one in Alabama, and one here. And you knew where they were going? Yeah, and we knew how long they were staying. And uh, because we were tracking the, tra- the tail numbers of the airplanes, we knew who the other competing states were. So we were trying to evaluate incentive programs that they had statutorily on the books. And then what do we do? What do we do to win the deal, close the deal, sell, sell the deal? Now, some of it's emotional. OK, some of it is you have to make an emotional connection with the company and, and they have to see themselves succeeding there. But we wouldn't have won that project if we didn't have a site put together, if we didn't have the water and the sewer and the site preparation and all the engineering and the transportation and the the business case for the company to be successful. We wouldn't have won it without that. But we made that emotional connection so he could see he could see his company here succeeding. If you put nothing to chance, then you then you increase your chances of winning quite a bit. So he finds out the travel log of the private jet of the tire company, in other words, this 
Yokohama Tire Company, and he figures out how to make it more appealing. Now, that takes a little bit of investment in terms of the local municipality, just like he did with the helicopter plant in creating roads and, and sewers and making those available and incentivizing them and all the labor they could ever want. And then the same with the steel plant. The steel plant was going to need this this extra power grid just for their projects because the heating of the steel is such a, a high high energy consuming deal that they threw that in as an incentive. That's just smart. You know, he's got you got existing industries in the area. You got now he's brought in manufacturing, metal metal fabrication, steel, automotive aerospace, the helicopter place, defense, timber, wood products, and so much more. Now, maybe you're thinking, oh, well, they're using government funds to entice business. Well, why shouldn't they? I mean, now, at the end of the 60 Minutes piece, what I found most interesting is, did they get a return on their investment? And the answer is yes. It more than pays for itself. How is that? Because eventually all of those people that are on some type of government services end up being taxpayers and not a burden on society. Those people now have jobs. Those people now support other businesses. Those people go out to eat. Those people buy clothes. Those people go to Target. Those people go to Walmart. Those people buy groceries. Those people go to movies. Those people go out, you know, and do whatever they do. Buy liquor in the liquor store, for crying out loud. They buy beer, whatever they're doing. And so it floats the whole economy, and it just has this ripple effect that it spreads all throughout the entire community. But he didn't stop just there. He just kept going. Now, if we're going to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure, I want that guy managing it because that guy knows what the hell he's doing. That guy understands that, you know, look, if we're going to spend a trillion dollars, first of all, it's way too much money. Second, we've got to find a way. Paul Ryan didn't answer this question last night. How are you going to pay for it? That question needs to be answered. Now, you certainly can sell off the rights of, of you know, government lands and government property. And there's, there's all sorts of ways the government can make money. But unless and until I hear and see it, you know, we're just going into further debt. Anyway, so I just I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, all right, what if we only spend 500 billion in infrastructure? You take it out of the bureaucracy, the hands of 535 greedy politicians in D.C., put it in his hands, let him build infrastructure, enticing every multinational corporation to come work in America. Good jobs, economic growth, GDP, 8 percent. Add that to energy independence, add that to the tax rebate, which would be Obamacare being eliminated. Add that to a 15% corporate rate, a repatriation rate of 10%, and you got yourself an economy that's moving again. And you got people, the forgotten men and women that voted this election back in the workforce, and fewer people in poverty, and fewer people on food stamps, and fewer people needing government assistance. It all works. I have no idea why Al Gore was at Trump Tower today. None whatsoever. I guarantee you, he didn't talk about his prediction that the earth would have burned down by now. He's nuts. He's just absolutely, I don't know what it is. People lose the presidency and they lose their mind along with it. There's something that happens. Let's see, who else was there today? Oh, I saw Ari Fleischer leaving Trump Tower with Jason Miller. Jason Miller's a good guy like him. Anyway, Gore met with Ivanka Trump to discuss climate change. The planet has a fever. 
Kellyanne left the elevators, didn't stop at the cameras. Uh, Congressman Alan West was there today. Well, I was kind of glad to see that. Congressman Randy Forbes was there and waited a while outside the elevators before finally heading upstairs. Um, You know, look, I mean, you can speculate all you want. I just, you know, it's all speculation by anybody. I will say the veterans groups have given a, a thumbs up to to Mad Dog Mattis, who's picked to become defense secretary. Anyway, veterans groups are applauding Trump's decision to appoint retired Marine General James Mattis as defense secretary. The veteran of foreign wars said it makes perfect sense to appoint him. Our nation has been at war for more than 15 years, no end in sight. It makes perfect sense to put a war fighter in charge of the war fighting. Well, that would make sense. Um... We have a family of an Ohio state terrorist says Trump jeopardized their safety. I can't make this up. This is on Law News. The family of the Somali refugee who stabbed nearly a dozen Ohio State University students last week. Remember the guy that ran into them with the car and then came out with the butcher's knife? Anyway, an ISIS-sponsored attack. They take credit for it inspired attack now says donald trump has jeopardized their family the family's attorney said the family is concerned for their safety as a result of a tweet from president-elect trump in the aftermath of the attack well did he say to go attack the family no they're very afraid and they expected to be attacked when they go to school or in the community there's a great fear for them what did he say Trump tweeted, ISIS is taking credit for the terrible stabbing attack at Ohio State University by a Somali refugee who should not have been in our country. How do you interpret that in any way as a threat? Just doesn't make any sense. But a lot of what the media does and says doesn't make any sense, does it? Oh, let's see. Obama tapped Biden to oversee the stimulus package. Yeah, thank you, uh, Ethan. But the three-letter word, jobs. J one, two, three, four. Jobs. Thought he said a three-letter word. Jobs is four-letter word. Um. So Trump derangement syndrome still on the carrier deal, still going out there. So Donald Trump took a call from the president of Taiwan to congratulate him. He did not initiate the call. The call was a congratulatory call to the president-elect. So the president, who, just in case you're interested, is the duly democratically elected uh, leader in Taiwan. He's a democratically elected leader called Donald Trump. Donald Trump picked up the phone. You would think it was the single greatest, biggest breach in the history of mankind in presidential protocol. Now, don't let facts get in the way of a great story, because in 1995, Bill Clinton allowed the president of Taiwan to speak at Cornell University. Whoops. Guess the media didn't do their homework. And George W. Bush allowed the president of Taiwan to visit the United States while in transit to countries in Latin America that maintain diplomatic relations. And we can talk about the one China policy all we want. Who cares? Oh, China might get annoyed. You know, isn't it a little bit disturbing that nobody in the media, they didn't seem to care one bit when Obama was reaching out to the murdering dictator in Cuba, the thieving, murdering, now dead dictator in Cuba, Fidel Castro, 
They didn't seem to care a whole hell of a lot when he paid a ransom to the Iranians and the mullahs in Iran and negotiated a deal with them at the time that they were chanting death to America and death to Israel and burning American flags and burning Israeli flags. That didn't seem to bother them, but picking up a phone call from the president of Taiwan? You would, I, I, I'm just telling you, they, they are doubling down on stupid. This is beyond stupid. That's all that George Stephanopoulos... He was always in the Clinton camp. Let's be honest. Donates to the Clinton Foundation, worked for Bill Clinton. How this guy ever got that job is beyond me. And they claim he's an objective journalist. He's not. Just like Chuck Todd is an idiot. And just like CNN is in the tank. Actually had people over at CNN this weekend suggesting that the media needs to start calling Trump an authoritarian strongman. Is that going to be the official CNN position on the new president-elect, call him an authoritarian and a strong man, and they went on to call him a liar. And I'm like, I called out this very same pipsqueak for not calling Hillary a liar. Listen, I'm all for it. CNN, you keep going down this road. Just keep going down the road. Because it's going to be, look, it's, you've eliminated all sense of objectivity. Immediate, now the people are hip to who you are. You know, Dick Cheney, I got to give, I always love Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney just doesn't give a flying rip about anything in in relation to the media because he understands them. He knows that they're a bunch of liars. He knows that they're invested in a political agenda. Anyway, he's become a probably the most prominent member of the former Bush administration. He went out and supported Donald Trump, saying he admires the way the president-elect has rendered the elite media irrelevant. This is kind of kind of echoing thoughts that I've been saying. I've been out there saying they don't need a White House press office and press conferences every day anymore. This dog and phony pony show that they have every day. Who cares about answering questions from news organizations that colluded with the Clintons? You can't say that's anything other than fake news, which has now become their obsession. Anyway, Trump said, I think Trump is taking very, very seriously the job he's gotten, staffing the administration. And I think one of the reasons people get so concerned about the tweets is it's his way of going around the press. He doesn't have to rely upon them. This is the modern era, modern technology. He's at a point where we don't need you guys anymore. That has been my comment. Why does CNN deserve a seat in the White House press office? Or NBC, Chuck Todd. Well, you always rely on that go-to talking point about there's media. But well, you are biased. In getting lectures, I saw a comment from Dan Rather. Dan Rather. The guy that made up the story about then George W. Bush, the president. In an effort to help defeat him. He's now saying we need to have a vigorous media. No, we don't need you. We know you're biased. We know CNN colluded and gave questions to Hillary. We know that CNN sought questions from the DNC for Trump. We know that NBC was in the tank for Hillary, the New York Times, Politico, ABC, everybody. What's the point anymore? Journalism died. Let's just accept it. We can have a ceremony. We can make a memorial. 
and say journalism once lived in the United States. It doesn't anymore. Objective journalism. There is some good journalists, but not a whole lot of them. Um, in a brief statement released today, Nancy Pelosi said there's no evidence Dr. Carson brings the necessary credentials to hold the position with such immense responsibilities and impact on families and communities across America. Really? This guy saved more lives. What experience does she have to be the minority leader? What has she done in all her years in Washington? Nothing. She's part of the problem. And you know what I want? Somebody like Dr. Carson, who actually can see problems from afar. You know what I would do if I was the head of HUD? I'd give everybody that's living in public housing, I'd say, here, here's the deed. Keep it. Manage it. You own it. You're responsible for it. You're responsible for the upkeep. We're going to give it to you for free. Let them have it. And then they can create their own community association. They can work on their own fees, system, structure to cut the lawns and paint the place and take care of the place. Because government has screwed it up so bad. I'll never forget, I was in Atlanta. And a girl died in a public housing unit because a roach got lodged in her ear. I went to the house as doing my job as, you know, a news person, talk show host. And I go there. I look at the wall of this public housing unit infested with roaches. You would never raise your child there. There's government housing. A disgrace. Cabrini Green in Chicago. You can go to any of the places here. Techwood Homes in Atlanta. I mean, they've all turned out to be horrible failures. And people count on them. Got to give uh, Chicago credit. Speaking of Chicago, they pledged a million dollars to protect the illegals. And by the way, let's see. Last year's Thanksgiving holiday weekend saw eight people killed, only 20 people wounded. Oh, this year we got 60 wounded. But they're going to spend money on people that are here illegal, illegally because they're a sanctuary city. Um, all right, what other news we got today? All right, let's get to the phones. Let's go to Aaron is Boca Raton, Florida. What's up, Aaron? How are you? Uh, hi, Sean. I hope you hear me clearly. I, this idea that the phone call was a faux pas on the behalf of Donald Trump is an amazing, fictitious, mindless thought on the left-wing media. It was clearly a calculated move by Donald Trump and his staff. Nobody calls Donald Trump and just gets through without any staff pre-screening the call, like yourself. With having said that, I will, unless you want to ask me a question, I'll get off the phone and you can comment. But clearly this was a very calculated move to wake up the sleeping giant of China saying, you're not the only game in town and there's a new sheriff coming into town. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knows what one China policy is. He understood exactly what he was doing. And you know what? He didn't care. And there's no reason really for America to be kissing China's ass anymore, is there? You're not looking for a fight. You know, look, you know, the la- I, I, I've carried a gun all of my adult life. I now am very skilled in, in martial arts. Street, hard fighting, martial arts. Basically... How to win a fight and break things in 30 seconds. Uh, you know, Kempo and all these other arts. It's an eclectic blend of arts. 
And so I'm just saying that, you know, I'm, I just do the opposite. You don't look for a fight. But you don't run from a fight either because you're afraid. Obama's been afraid of his own shadow. Rosie is in Miami, News Radio WIOD. What's up, Rosie? How are you? Hi, Sean. Good afternoon. The reason why I'm calling again is just to reiterate, uh, you know, this uh, Obama made deal with Cuba, um, a country that's been oppressing uh, Cubans on the island for so many years, including my own uh, family who had to flee. And I'm calling today on behalf of uh, a friend of mine whose uncle was beaten and imprisoned on Monday, last Monday, uh, for not mourning Fidel. Uh, the right way. And uh, his name is Eduardo Pacheco, and I'm just calling because it's, you know, mind-boggling. So thrown in prison for not mourning the death of Fidel. Fidel. He He's one of the leaders of the democratic movement over there in Cuba, in a part of his province. And he has meetings every Monday, and that Monday he got called, he received a, a nice visit, of course, <laughs> from some of the officials. Um, on the uh, from from some of the officials, government officials, uh, telling him he couldn't basically host his meeting, um, and if he did, he would pay the consequences. And sure enough, he he did. He didn't have the meeting, but they still wanted to make sure he didn't have that meeting. And, and Obama would like to formalize relations with Cuba. Well, well, I'm not into dictators and radical Islamic mullahs either. We have 30 seconds. Mark K. Don Vegas. What's up, Mark? How are you? Hey, just got to say two things happened on November 8th. That was great. Donald Trump became president, and my daughter was born. On November uh, 8th? That all happened November 8th in your life? It did. You know, it was cool. My son got to vote. He turned 18 this year on November 3rd. He was born Election Day 1998 of all days. Wow. Um, so like your daughter, I mean, it's a pretty cool day. You'll never forget the day Trump was elected. Congratulations, right, by I- the way. I'm in the military, and I was really worried about this Hillary uh, campaign coming in because I've been in for ten, over 10 years now. We were gonna, we had this big cut a couple of years ago, and I almost lost my job in the military because we, need, we thought yes. we needed to shrink down. And I was worried about the Clinton campaign because, one, I, the shrinking, uh, continued shrinking well, the military, and two, with these Syrian refugees coming in, I'm worried. My job is very high visit in the airports. I can't say what it is. But they, they don't like us, and they want to get us. So I was worried about that Clinton campaign coming in and what it's going to do to the military. And I know a lot of my buddies were, too. All right. I appreciate your uh, call, and I'm glad you uh, – we are going to rebuild the military from based on what Trump says as part of his promise, and we need to. Thank you for your service, my friend. God bless you. We need people that are willing to serve this country and rest of their lives. By the way, what a tragedy. Did you see that, did you see that fire this weekend? Oh, my gosh. 30, 33 people died. Oh, that's so scary. Give me a minute, David, when I am more proud of Hillary Clinton's all right speech than any other moment on the campaign, because she had the courage to stand up. I would rather lose than win the way you guys did. No, you wouldn't. Yes, you wouldn't. Yes, yes. Yes. That's very clear today. No, you wouldn't, respectfully. 
Rather, I'm sorry. So, how exactly did we win? Now go this, for it, Jen. How exactly did we win? I'd like to know because I've sacrificed I said, the last I, four months of my life to do it. Excuse me, and we did it, and we did it by looking at the schedule and looking at yes, the electoral map of 270 because that's how you win the presidency. And we went places, and we were either ignored or mocked roundly by most of the people in this room. But I have a smile on my face at all times, and we did it by focusing with Steve Bannon and Dave Bossy and everybody you see here. At, oh, they're going to say, oh, she just said Corey was part of the campaign. Jeff Zucker. Okay. Corey until whatever, what was that, June? And we focus on how you win. We connected with voters. We connected with voters. Hiring is is him himself. You know, we, we've already gone through some of the examples of, of, of his own languages, his own positions that I believe are at odds with my value as an American of uh, embracing diversity, inclusivity, equality, um, and hiring someone which like Steve exa- Bannon, which is exactly who has, what who has, who has is, an ad, okay? who, ha- who, 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 with Breitbart, if you guys just spend a few minutes on Breitbart, you say things my, doesn't it make my, it true. One of my proud, proudest moments of her is her standing up and saying with courage and clarity in Steve Bannon's own words and Donald Trump's own words, the platform that they gave to white supremacists, white nationalists, and it is a very, very important moment in our history as our country. And I think as, you know, his presidency goes forward, I'm going to be very glad to have been part of the campaign that tried to... Hey, Jen, do you think think that... Excuse me, she said white supremacists. Well, I would actually like to follow up. No, sorry. I know it's mentioned a lot on your website, too. Do you think I ran a campaign where white supremacists had a platform? Are you going to look me in the face and tell me that? It did. Kellyanne really? did. Oh, and that's how you lost. It did. Oh, Do you think you could have just had a decent message for the white working class voters? Do you think this woman who has nothing in common with anybody. I'm not anybody, saying that's what you won, but that's the kind of campaign we that was flipped run. The over yes. 200 counties that President Obama won and Donald Trump just won. You think that's because of what you just said or because people aren't ready for a woman president? Really? How about... It's Hillary Clinton. She doesn't connect with he- people. How about they have nothing in so, common with her? So you How guys, about you had no economic it, it, message? Guys. All right, that's my hero, Kellyanne Conway, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program, Hour 2. And that was her. Every four years, Harvard's Kennedy School of Government hosts aides from opposing campaigns and a uh, post-mortem on the presidential election. And it seems like Robbie Mook and Jennifer Palmieri and all the other Hillary Clinton supporters and team members that just can't get over their own talking points, which didn't work in the election, as they, they keep regurgitating the same thing. I, I think that was the single biggest beatdown at Harvard University in the history of the school. Kellyanne joins us now, and uh, how are you? I'm great, Sean. How are you today? You know, you say that so calmly. Wyatt, why, you know, you're nice to me. I don't think I'd want to be on the receiving end of, of that fierceness that you have in you. Good grief. But but let's just, let's just note something about my guiding principle. Yeah. I do not draw first blood. We were attacked. I responded. I'm like Donald J. Trump. People attack him, and they say, oh, he's so ungracious. Why is he hitting back? Why is he not acting presidential. Do you know what has been said about him over the course of the last year and a half? Do you know that, that quote, professionals who had all the king's horses, all the king's men, all the king's money in Team Clinton and couldn't get it done? Do you know what they accused us of doing? And, and I'm not, I'm not going to let that lie. And here's why I'm not going to let it lie. I've got big, broad shoulders. I think everybody knows I'm tough. But let me tell you something. She and they are not going to be smirch. The 62 million plus Americans who came out and voted for Trump, the 306 electoral votes we got, the people who lost friendship 
friendships and family members and colleagues over their support of Donald Trump because they were right and they saw something others could not. I'm not going to allow them to minimize the concerns and the value of those men and women across this country who believed in him, joined his movement, and support his presidency. Every fight I had during this election year, I don't care if it was Brett Stevens at the Wall Street Journal or Glenn Beck or Jonah Goldberg or Rich Lowry or National Review or the Weekly Standard, I didn't start any of those fights. They they hit me and I hit back and then they whine and cry that I hit them back. And I'm like, these people are biggest babies. But I am tired of this false narrative that they're continuing that if you're conservative, that you're racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. I can't take it anymore. And it didn't work. So what's the point? You shouldn't have to take it. No, people don't want to be called names. And there's a difference between what offends you and what what affects you. And voters go with what affects them. And they were so tired of these elites literally looking down their noses beyond their bifocals, telling everybody what to think, what to do, who can win, what their their basically self-worth and character was, depending on who they supported for president. And I have to say thank you to the mainstream media. I have to say thank you to academia. I have to say thank you to Harvard. I have to say thank you to the never Trumpers and to the establishmentarians who did what, Sean? They pushed they pushed Donald Trump right to the people and the people right to Donald Trump because this became us versus them. And let me tell you something, there's a lot more of them than there are of us, meaning the elite who are part of politics, part of media, part of the donor class, the consultant class. This is a victory of people. They came out. You can't deny when you look at some of these counties that President Obama carried twice and Donald Trump flipped them completely. In a place like Mahoning County where Tim Ryan, who just tried to write the Democratic Party, save it from itself and re-elect Nancy Pelosi to leadership, and they did it anyway. In his, in the county he represents here, Youngstown, Ohio, there was a 26% wing from 2012. That's because of the alt-right. No, that's because Donald Trump marched into Ohio and everywhere else in this country. I don't even know what the alt-right is. Did you ever well, hear of it before this no, election? The, no, that's the joke of it. Jen Palmieri saying she was never more proud than the speech that Hillary gave. Seriously? Maybe that was part of the problem. Where was the speech on helping millions of women who are in poverty and don't have health insurance? Where the heck was this speech about an economic agenda and growth agenda, energy investment for the people in these in these coal and coal country, the steel workers, the, the laborers? Donald Trump carried labor union households in some places two to one. And so that's the most proud speech they are. Hillary Clinton flew to Reno, Nevada to give a speech about a website. This is not presidential. And so she was never more proud. Maybe that's because in August, you hardly saw Hillary Clinton post-convention. Five days before the last debate on October 19th in Las Vegas, she took off the entire time. People said, that's just brilliant. She'll be so prepared. She'll be so presidential. You're so it's funny. Completely re- it's a, it's it is so ridiculous. Way to and and Donald day. Trump was doing like six events a day. And Exactly. You know, um, and, and that works. People want you to take the case right to them. Trump derangement syndrome is becoming a, a real mental condition now. I mean, here 1,100 jobs are saved through Carrier, and, and people are going ballistic. He, The president-elect spoke with uh, Taiwan's president after Taiwan's president reached out to congratulate Donald Trump. Now, you know, they say this as though Bill Clinton, you know, never allowed the president of, of Taiwan to give a speech at Cornell in 95 or that George W. Bush didn't allow the president of Taiwan to visit the United States in transit to Latin American countries that maintain diplomatic relations with Taiwan. They say this as though he's the only person in the history of the world to, quote, break presidential protocol. It's just nonsense. And you see how they're reacting. It's so predictable. They don't seem to have learned anything from the election results, is my take. That's 
that's my entire problem, is that it, nothing was learned. They reelected Chuck Schumer, a liberal in New York, Nancy Pelosi, liberal in San Francisco. They're still attacking Donald Trump like he's at 1% in the primaries. The man was just elected president of the United States. He got 100 more electoral votes than Mitt Romney did, and he had the entire Republican apparatus and everybody supporting him. This is a, this is a decisive victory. He's their president. When it comes to Taiwan, the president-elect Trump has made very clear. He received the call, and he received the congratulatory call. He wasn't going to be rude. Everybody's saying, is he changing policy towards China? Does he understand the policy towards China? Does he know where China is? Get off it, everybody. No. You lost the election. Get out of the permanent campaign. Tell Jill Stein and Hillary Clinton's lawyers to go on a nice vacation and celebrate the holidays and just move on and, and well, allow they, this guy to support himself. But I'm you know what? Buy, one last thing. This guy's unconventional, and that's not going to change. So anybody trying to apply their conventions and their rules to him will be sorely disappointed. I'll just buy plenty of crayons, coloring books, and Play-Doh for these people because obviously they need more. Um, let me ask you about this. I shared your concern about Mitt Romney. I think what Mitt Romney did in, in this campaign to sabotage Donald Trump, by the way, just like Brett Stevens and, and NRO people and other people, I think that, you know, they, the, how they couldn't see a distinction between what Hillary Clinton's Supreme Court justice uh, appointments would look like versus Trump's was enough for me. But, I, you know, these people, never Trumpers, were just ne- always ignorant to me. But what do you make Al Gore saw President-elect Trump today? Joe Manchin apparently has a meeting this week and they spoke. And Mitt Romney, of course, who undermined Trump every step of the way. It, it's making some people nervous. I'm taking it, as long as he doesn't make Mitt Secretary of State, I'm taking it that he's just trying to reach out and bring the country together. That's all it is. It's what you just said in the last part, Sean. And people can't have it both ways. They can't say, when is he going to reach out? When does he realize this is a divided country and half the country didn't vote for him? And blah, blah, blah. He's doing that every single day with the meetings you just talked about. What about Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii? What about, no. you know, Heidi Heidkamp has been rumored to come on in and meet with him, perhaps. Um, and, and what about President Obama, <laughs> for that matter? What you know what, you know what I think is funny? Obama? You know how they have the Trump cam at, in the lobby of Trump Tower? Yes. Does anybody, am I the only person that knows there are other entrances you can go in? Am I the only well, person that sure. knows that? It's that hilarious. Sure. So why do they all go in the front door knowing that they're going to be seen? They want to be seen with the president-elect. They want they want yeah. to everybody to see that they're, quote, bipartisan or open-minded or within the zone of power. And frankly, that's the yeah. main entrance. So that's probably where they're told to come. But the fact is, he's going to drive everybody crazy because whatever they Not me. of no, that's right. He, whatever they think, well, all his detractors. But it's also, I think, people who are still trying to undermine him. These questions that I get, these articles that are written, many of them still are along the lines of the campaign, which is almost a month ago, by the way. It's four weeks ago tomorrow. Here's the other thing. They ask questions about, well, when will he announce this? When will he announce that? We are way ahead of everyone else at this point. President-elect Trump has made a number of cabinet appointments. We'll continue to do that this week. Did it this morning with our friend Dr. Ben Carson. And Barack Obama's first, President Obama's first cabinet appointment was oh, Tim Geithner, his Treasury Secretary, four weeks into his, his president-elect term, four weeks. We're not even there yet. And he's got about a half a dozen cabinet members chosen. So we're way ahead of schedule. I know. It's a, it's a classic Trump thing, ahead of schedule under budget. Let me ask you about you. Now, we, neither one of us believes in identity politics, but I do think that a milestone of great importance was reached. You are the first woman in American history to win and lead as a campaign manager, a winning campaign. And you deserve all the credit for that. You have not taken an official position yet. Um, have you decided where are you in this process? Or do you think maybe you 
will work outside the administration. I discussed this with the president-elect just over the weekend, and he knows I'm here for him. I support him and vice president-elect completely. Did I just, did I just surprise you with a question? Ahead. You have an answer for no, everything. You're very quick. <laughs> I just don't know why I'm an issue, because you know I'm going to continue to support him. Okay, I but you want, I'll tell you why I think you're an issue. You're an issue because you're really good, and I think you really served him well in the campaign. And I like I like good people to surround so, the president of the United States. And I think you're good for him. That's my honest opinion. I appreciate that, Sean. Honestly, I do appreciate all that. I'm here for him. Very involved in transition, very involved in a number of things that he's doing and will continue to. And Vice President Pence and I worked together for a number of years, so that will continue. So it's just simple. I either go inside into the West Wing and serve him according to how he sees best, and we discuss that directly, or I stay on the outside and basically build the whole political operation that you can do where you're supporting the judicial nominees, the legislative initiatives. Donald Trump as president will be a man in a hurry. He is going to accomplish many great things very quickly. The, the excuse of a divided government is over, and he has his 100-day plan for all to see, and I hope the first people who read it, Sean, are Republican friends in the House and the Senate, because they need to brush up and get ready for sponsoring any number of these initiatives that he's put forth. Uh, and if you do the political operation outside, you also, you can fold that in to, I'm told you can fold that into what will be a, a an effort to get 60 Senate votes for the Republicans by 2018. In 2018, Republicans are defending eight U.S. Senate seats. The Democrats are defending, drumroll please, 25. So we've got some a great opportunity to give the president-elect 60, the 60 Senate vote margin that he needs. And I'd be happy to run that from the outside. But look, either way, I'm all in. I'm moving my family to Washington. The president-elect knows how committed I am. And I, I'm just really excited. Sean, I walk, you know, I walk through airports. I walk on Fifth Avenue near where I work. Everybody is so excited, with very few exceptions. Now that it's Christmas time, the people walking on Fifth Avenue aren't just your usual Manhattan, you know, foot traffic of commuters and shops. It's, it's all of America is here. The quote, flyover country that Hillary didn't have a message for is here. Everybody is so excited. They feel like a, like a weight has been lifted. They're, they're optimistic about the future. It's just so gratifying to see. And I feel duty-bound to the president-elect, but I also feel duty-bound to those people, the people who stop me and say, my daughters love you, or thank you for standing up for women, or thank you for helping the president-elect get a... So I feel duty-bound to them, too, and I will be there for them as well. I love the people, as you know. You know, to me, what he has going forward is very difficult and also very simple at the same time. He's got to fulfill his promises. 15% corporate tax, 10% repatriation, seven brackets to three, energy independence, get rid of Obamacare, health savings accounts, build the wall, education back to the states, identify radical Islam, originalist justices, and you win. Now, pulling all of that off is hard, but I, if there's anybody that can do it, I think it's him. So anyway, I wish you well, and uh, you, you work so hard. I know I talked to you throughout the campaign. There were days, now be honest, you didn't sleep more than two hours. <laughs> well, and I looked it. I'm sure you're... No, sure no I didn't, no, I did not say that, but I mean, <laughs> okay. no, you look great. All right, we got to roll. It all worked, Sean. I, it all worked. It, looked, it, did, it was thank all God. for a common cause, and it worked. Take care, baby. All right, thank you, Kellyanne Conway. So Mark Levin, the great one, started his internet show on an incredible CRTV, Conservative Review Television, and Levin TV's been a huge success. Now, two of my other friends, uh, people that I've known forever, and one in particular is in studio that I love dearly, is starting shows as well. And here's just a little preview of Michelle Malkin's show. 
Michelle Malkin Investigates is on CRTV. I don't want his story to die. I want everyone to be aware that this can happen to their loved ones. An Oklahoma City cop is convicted of rape. But was he sent to jail for a crime he didn't commit? Forget everything you thought you knew about this case because it might not be true at all. They lied on the stand. They lied to the jury. This is an injustice. Black Lives Matter activists taking their fight into public schools. Just what are our kids being taught? Hating the police. No respect for authority. That's a big one. Out of this leftist ideology. It's total Marxism, the political correctness. Teach impressionable young kids that they don't have to obey the law because the law is illegitimate. They're going for broke. Black Lives Matter. From the streets to the classroom. I'm Michelle Malkin. Subscribe now to get Michelle Malkin Investigates on CRTV. All right, she's always been an iconoclastic uh, truth teller. She's been a number one New York Times bestselling author. How did I ever get into calling you my little sister? Because we were so close over the years. We've become such good (laughs) friends over the years that we just developed a real good friendship. Yeah, and it's been very special and a huge blessing, Sean. And I'm just so proud of my big brother, and it's always great to come and visit with you. Why do I have to always be the older guy? Why do I have to be the (laughs) fat old guy? I don't get that, you know? Um, You've been through a tough time, and I know the only reason I would ask you publicly is because you are so public and and so willing to talk about it that I want to make sure that people understand you've had great progress. Your daughter was sick. Yes. And she's doing so much better now. And you were to talk about investigating. You were out there doing everything possible to find your own answers to a very complicated medical problem. And the good news is she is doing better. Yes. And I want to thank you, especially Sean and and all of your listeners, because I heard from so many of them when we talked about this the last time. I do believe in the power of prayer, uh, first of all. Um, But also, I think you probably have a lot of moms and dads out there who've been in similar situations where the traditional medical establishment can't get them answers, and you really have to take matters into your own hands. And that's why we didn't see you really a lot in the last couple of years. Yes, and, you know, I I do put my family first, and I know you do too. And uh, when you experience something like this, it definitely opens up your heart and your Mm. mind to – um, to, to a lot of, of different kinds of, of hardship and, and adversity. Guess what? I actually allowed my daughter to get a tattoo. And the tattoo <laughs> How has, old is she? She is 16. Okay. And it, it sort of encapsulates everything she's been through. It says, per espera ad astra, which is the Latin phrase for through adversity to the stars. And it's really become our family motto. Did you get one too? <laughs> she, she asked me to get a matching tattoo. I'm not there yet. How about you? I didn't, I, I didn't know I was being invited to get one. I, you, know, you know, though, but I remember a couple of, uh, I remember one conversation in particular that we had, and uh, I remember mentioning, like, the Mayo Clinic. Have you been here? Have you been there? And you had done, you had already done everything. Yes. And well, so what was the answer? Well, how did you get to the and, solution? And so, actually, it was it was really the a seed that you helped plant. Yeah. You know what I did? I drove my daughter to the Mayo Clinic. She was unable to, to fly. She was really in a, in a bad situation. Um, you know, you'll have a lot of families out there who are very familiar with young people who end up with these um, chronic illnesses, chronic pain, chronic fatigue that's undiagnosed. And it was really the Mayo Clinic's pediatric pain rehab clinic that was a lifesaver. Awesome. Uh, these are amazing people. And, you know, everything that our incoming president can do to make sure that we have the greatest health care system with the sure. most compassionate and competent and excellent 
caregivers gives me hope. But you know what's interesting? What The most interesting people that I know in life are the cancer survivors, the people that lost their mom and dad when they were 10, the ones that have faced difficult times and adversity. They, they seem to have this extra level of awareness and a higher state of consciousness I'm sure this has changed you. Now, you look the same to me. You're you're still my little sister. I love you to death. But how has it changed you? I bet it it has. Yeah, it it really has. I I think that as a parent, you learn how harrowing it is to feel that you are helpless. Yeah. And and it makes you redouble your efforts. I think that we've done a lot to help spread awareness um, and help other parents um, who are in this situation. Um, she has a, uh, one condition that's called postural orthostatic uh, tachycardia syndrome. And there are a lot of kids out there who are suffering from this who have no idea mm-hmm. that that's what's going on. And in a lot of cases, there's no magic cure. There's no magic pill that you can take. It's really just the hard work of learning how to survive. And ma- and you've, you've spent a lot of time, obviously, devoted to her, and I applaud you a lot. What do you think of this election? I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Man, it was the the greatest roller coaster ride ever. (laughs) And uh, part of the enjoyment for me was watching you fight these battles. You mean me out on a limb, out on a twig, hanging on to a little leaf that's about to break and people. You know what? If if same president elect Trump lost, Mm -hmm. there were all of those people that you and I for years have kind of hated anyway. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. You know, the best news here is when these idiots over at NRO now write a horrible book and beg me to come on. I just say no. And or any of these other people or the Wall Street Journal or, you know, any of these groups of people, Lindsey Graham, I'm done with you. McCain, I'm done with you. I'm done with all those people. Yeah. And, you know, I tried my best, but they don't have any courage. And the Republican Party created Donald Trump. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, their abandonment of the constitutional principles that they all pay homage to at election time, their massive failures on an issue that, you know, has been dear, near and dear to my heart for 20, immigration. 25 years, immigration. What and was your first book called? It was called Invasion. Right. And it was about all of these systemic failures. And now, to me, what's most gratifying is the prospect of Jeff Sessions as attorney general and who I hope uh, heads DHS. He's someone, rock solid. Right. I would love to have someone like Chris Kobach, who is who is under consideration. He is under consideration, is the most knowledgeable and most courageous in strict immigration enforcement, has faced all of the same enemies that Donald Trump has in delivering this message long before. um, In fact, before Donald Trump, I mean, he was out there fighting in courts of law and volunteering his time. And as secretary of state has fought corruption and all of these same left-wing open borders. He created E-Verify. He did. And, you know, this is the guy who understood after 9-11 that we actually needed to vet people who were coming into this country and vet them in an unapologetic way. What is it? Do you like all of what Donald Trump is proposing? Are there some things you're worried about? The only thing I'm worried about is the trillion-dollar infrastructure spending yes. without... Now, there are ways you can pay for things. Yes. But I like a pay-as-you-go system, number one... And I want to separate the money from Congress. Yes. I want to get it out of the hands of those selfish 
self-aggrandizing, arrogant bureaucrats because you and I both know that they're going to spend it in a way that will maximize their political benefit, not necessarily what's good, and you lose 50 cents of every dollar. Yes, that's exactly right. And I have been very critical of these massive government infrastructure plans. The latest one has been recycled and has the approval of the AFL-CIO. And you know what that means, that government infrastructure plan is basically rewarding big labor bosses. We need to drain that swamp and and change the culture of, of corruption there, which, uh, of course, I've covered. For what do you what well. do you like the best, the most about Trump? Uh, well, I, th- I think his um, his unwillingness to bow to the gods of political correctness and the corporate media. And uh, as, I love that, too. As long as he, he CNN keeps that. sucks. Yes. I mean, when they chant that at a rally, I'd laugh. Yes. I just, Calling out the dishonest media. We talked about you that You know, it's funny. Week. Then I'd go to a rally and they'd, they'd, I'd get applause. <laughs> and they hated it. They hated it. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm fairly happy with, with many of the, the picks that I've heard of so far. And he's got great uh, people um, on the transition team. I would have to say that I'm quite concerned about the education secretary pick. Um, this is somebody who had been funding Common Core, yes, and I know that she says now that she's against it, but she really needs to do much more to win the trust of grassroots moms, particularly in Michigan, where she's from, right. who had to fight her because she was on the wrong side. If we get education back to the states and we give choice and vouchers, you know what? He could literally change the demographics on that one issue alone, where especially kids in the inner city in America... We, they have been disproportionately negatively impacted by a horrible, horrific educational system. No question about it. Here is what Betsy DeVos needs to emphasize, though. That is that a federal education standards and testing system is incompatible, inconsistent, and complete cognitive dissonance with the idea of increasing school choice and classroom choice. This is what parents have to face. I mean, you can give them all the charter schools and school choice vouchers in the world, but if all of those places are still affected by the testing regimes that were put in place by the Obama administration, I'd like to hear Betsy DeVos say, at the top of, of my list of, of to-do the things, the, the agenda, I'm going to get rid of those testing consortiums, PARC and SBAC, which were funded by the Obama stimulus, and get rid of data mining and make sure that how student you, privacy is is. How do you uh, know, though, re-affirmed. kids are learning, though? How do, you learn, how do you ascertain if you don't have the standardized test? And yeah. I, I'm asking a question because I know this is a big issue for you. Yeah. How do you ascertain whether or not they're getting the basic understanding of reading, math, and science? Well... Donald Trump says that he believes in local control. Let them decide. And, I and, like that. And in, for example, there there are already demonstration projects. For example, Massachusetts had fabulous, stronger than the Common Core standards in place before they came along and undermined them. Those decisions have to be made Locally. at the local level. What do you think about like then moving to SATs and ACTs? As you can tell, I'm thinking college, right? Of course. We both are. We've got teenagers. How can we uh, not? No. It's an obsession, right? It's an annoyance is what it is, but go ahead. <laughs> but look, I mean, there's so many um, national standards tests out there already. There's NAEP, which has been around for, for a long time. There are many metrics uh, by which to, to test this kind of progress. Um, and the, the, I think the most important thing, though, is that the, that the curriculum decisions have been undermined and sabotaged by these federal bureaucrats, by the Gates Foundation, unfortunately by uh, the same kind of special interests that wanted Jeb Bush in place. And I think that's the fear, is that 
you have Donald Trump who has promised to get rid of uh, this standard scheme and everything that came mm-hmm. along with it, the entire machinery. Um, he also promised, and, and uh, he was quoted on this earlier in the campaign, that he was going to protect student privacy because the data mining aspect of this I agree with is, is really one of the most hidden aspects. If, if Trump puts originalists on the Supreme Court, yes. follows up with extreme vetting, if he builds the wall, if he fixes the economy in a multitude of ways, seven brackets to three, 15 percent corporate rate, repatriation rate of 10 percent, that's trillions that's coming in. He gets rid of Obamacare. That's going to be like a tax cut for the average person. Energy independence on top of it. He'll be a successful president. He's just got to stick to his basic promises. Yes, he has to not get distracted. And I think he's I've got been to... around him a lot. He kind of gets distracted pretty <laughs> well, easy. Well, you know, but... But not in a bad way. Yes, I think that he has some good disciplinarians on his team. He does. And as long as he keep maintains that... He's got certain core instinctual principles. He loves this country. He backs the American worker. You know, I had some mixed feelings about the the carrier carrier deal. But, you know, I covered carrier in my history book, Who Built That? It is a great American company. Um, And and these were engineers who dug into their own pockets to Mm -hmm. make this company work. And so if he's finally sent a a message after decades of crony globalism. capitalism and, and globalism that american workers matter if that right. is a deterrent to laying off american workers that is a good thing when does your show on crtv start so monday Mo- today my, oh today uh, today's know, monday that's okay. right and right. um i'm ex- extremely excited we're releasing four episodes and so all you go to once. crtv.com that's right it's a it's a subscription uh, service yeah no I, you know what i love about it it's because i'm a binge tv watcher there you go binge over the holidays you can binge <laughs> on me binge can I say i'm that? gonna binge on malkin <laughs> i don't know if that sounds good I may not sound right. <laughs> well, I love you like you are my family member. I'm proud of you. I, I'm sorry you went through such a hard time, but I'm glad on the other side of it, everything's come out well. And it's great to see you. And you're going to be Thank in TV you. studio tonight. Yes, right? I'm very excited. I love getting a, a Michelle worked up on TV because she's fierce. <laughs> I've watched her eat up a liberal or two once or twice. <laughs> I would like to tell him thank you for... Uh, going out of your way and taking your uh, holiday uh, away from your family and uh, working on the carrier and employees deal and uh, sticking to your word and going to bat for all of us at carrier and and keeping our jobs here and I'd like to thank him and Mike Pence for doing it so quickly I, I didn't expect an announcement probably for three or four weeks and we're, what, two days from them meeting with them, and they've already made their announcement. So I'm very ex- excited about it and would like to thank both of them uh, personally and uh, shake their hands hopefully tomorrow and uh, get to meet them personally. When you heard uh, from that plant spokesman that they were going to close the plant, you thought to yourself, what the hell am I going to do? Pretty much, yes. You know, I'm almost 50 years old and having to think about starting over a new career. You know, it's just something I really wasn't yep. looking forward to. Sure. The carrier plant is politically probably more Democrats work there than Republicans. You're a lifelong Democrat, and yet you voted for Donald Trump. Why? You know, he spoke to me. I mean, he hit a chord inside me. You know, he was talking to the working man. He was talking to the middle class. And, you know, we're, we're tired of 
being the working poor. I mean, you know, we bust our tails for what? You know, companies are getting tax breaks, CEOs right. are getting bonuses, and we're getting the shaft. Sure. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to swallow. I mean, it's a tough pill sometimes. Yeah. Rick, I know the president's going to be, president-elect's going to be at your plant till later today. You would like to shake his hand, and you would like to say what to him? Yeah, just just thank you for taking the time. I mean, you're not even the actual president of the United States yet. You're president-elect, but you've done more in your first three weeks of being elected than the last, uh, you know, the current administration has done in the last nine months for us, for, for anybody, really. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, we're out here to make a living. We're out here to do the right thing. You know, we're loyal to the company. We work hard for the company. And for what? So you could pick up and leave us? Yeah. I mean, okay. that goes for any company out there. Donald Trump claims that he scored a big victory for keeping jobs in America. He says he's stuck a deal with the carrier air conditioning firm that will keep them from moving to Mexico, saving almost a thousand jobs. Now, there's no details of the deal that anyone has seen. But, you know, do you think Americans are going to say, oh, well, see, he's keeping he's keeping his promise. Or are they going to wonder what did you have to give up in order to keep folks here? Yeah, yep. I, hope they, I hope they do that. I think people, though, do just read the headlines and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, he's bringing jobs back. Mm. But at what cost to the American worker? The problem is that we're losing jobs to robots, not to Mexicans. Yeah. That's the problem. You're losing it to technology. Also, he, he, he saved a thousand jobs. Uh, President Obama saved one million jobs by bailing out the auto industry. And people were against that because yeah. it was a stimulus. The unemployment rate is at an all-time low. It's 4.9%. Donald Trump is saying he's bringing 25 million jobs here. How's he going to do that? Let's, Let's see. see. Wait and see. Let's see. On whose on who's behind? Well, we don't yeah, know how he got it. We don't well, know what the deal says. says. No, we don't know what the deal says, but, you know. But saving jobs is not the same as creating jobs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thea, it seems like this Trump derangement syndrome now is, is hitting a fever pitch. I mean, here, 1,100 jobs are saved. Carrier is going to invest $35 million in plants in the U.S., $16 million specifically to upgrade this plant. And, you know, why have we had every governor constantly up in New York? Why is Governor Perry and Abbott always in this studio with me? Why is why was Bobby Jindal when he was governor? Why was he always up here? Rick Scott. Oh, you know, they come to town while they're in town. All right. Well, guess like we'll go see that bum Hannity while we're here. We'll do our little charity work. Why are they always here? Because they come and attract businesses to move to their states because the economic climate is better. The tax climate is better. The bureaucracy doesn't exist. The incentives are great. And and you can make more money. It's what every governor does. But if you listen to these people on the left, oh, this is horrible. You know, Barack Obama, in a joint news conference, you know, the, Donald Trump took a call from the president of, of Taiwan. And you would think this was the biggest breach of presidential protocol in the history of the world. Well, it turns out that Obama, I'm reaffirming my commitment to a one China policy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then you have others in the past. Bill Clinton asked if the United States would defend Taiwan. The answer was yes. And George Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, the same thing. And George W. Bush, when asked if the United States would use military 
military force, it's certainly an option. You know, so all of these people, you know, you have Bill President. I'm sorry, Bill Clinton was president. Well, he let the president of Taiwan give a speech at Cornell University in 1995. And George W. Bush allowed the then uh, president of Taiwan to visit the U.S. in transit to countries in Latin America that maintain diplomatic relations with Taiwan. This is hardly was hardly a breach of protocol, but Trump derangement syndrome is is what it is. Anyway, joining us now, Michael Cohn. He's executive vice president, special counsel to the Trump organization and Donald Trump himself. Chris Hahn is the host of the ever infamous Chris Hahn show now on three affiliates nationwide. What's going on, guys? How you doing? So what's up, Hahn? Do you have a problem with 1100 jobs saved? Do you have a problem with him taking a call from the president of Taiwan? I have no problem with the carrier deal or his intervention. I have problems with conservatives who were intellectually disabled honest, and they criticized Barack Obama for saving the auto industry, and then they're praising this. I think it's great that... There wasn't a government... There was. Uh, let me tell you the big distinction here, and you should be smart enough, even as a liberal, to figure this out on your own. There's no government bailout. There's no taxpayer... There certainly fr- is no, government no. being there are There are tax incentives here. There's tax... Uh, wait a minute. Being, but the tax incentives are not for the federal government. They're from the states. Did you, right. see, did you see 60 Minutes last night? Uh, I unfortunately did not. All right, you, got, you need to go back and watch... Giant game went late, John. You should know that the giant game and it was a disaster you should have turned it a off disaster. after the first quarter I should have turned it off and should have watched it you should have watched 60 right. minutes you would have done a lot better off anyway uh, so on 60 minutes last night they were, they featured this guy uh joe max higgins he right. was he was featured this guy's a force to be reckoned with anyway so what's known as the golden triangle in mississippi was just bleeding jobs and and bleeding opportunity and since obama's been president we have 13 million more americans on food stamps 8 million more in poverty you know the statistics the lowest labor participation rate anyway so what he did is he would get his local government to build the infrastructure the sewers the roads electrical grids with taxpayer money and they would invest it and then this guy they call him the coach would go out and attract all these businesses with the newly built infrastructure to move to the golden triangle and guess what they'd move there and he got one big hang on and he got one big business after another government spent money you're right and now their tax revenues are going through the roof because he had enough sense to invest in this deal you got carriers going to spend 35 million dollars so they got tax incentives, just like the Golden Triangle in Mississippi, just like what Governor Abbott and Governor Perry and Governor Jindal and Governor Scott do. This goes just on like every day. Every single state in this country does, Sean. Thank including you. Including here in New York, Andrew Cuomo spent, from what I heard, about $200 million in advertising, asking companies to come to New York. Check us out. See how I got good no problem are. with it. I got no yeah, problem. Yeah, how much? With how much did he spend? No wait, wait, how much did he spend on those ads? Because you were just whining about how much money the state of Indiana spent on this deal, which was seven million, a paltry I'm seven not million bucks. About it? No, you were I'm whining not. about it, and you were saying there was a big government hand. No. The, the, no. The, the, wait a minute. If you look at, for example, U.S. taxpayers lost more than eleven point two billion dollars based on the GM bailout. 11.2. The people of Indiana are going to gain jobs and revenue as a result of that deal. That's the difference. You know, we won't know what the federal cost of this deal is for some time. There right is no now, federal. John. There is no uh, federal all right. cost. All right. Well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But I, again, well, I have no problem. I have no well, problem. Well, how could a president, president wait a minute. How can a president elect? It doesn't have any 
ties to the federal government offer any incentive. It's impossible. Well, he's going to be the president of the United States in seven weeks or six weeks now. So yeah. I think he can make yeah. all sorts of promises. And we don't know what those promises were. OK, again, no, have, he made he did make a promise. He said he's going to get rid of regulation. Michael, jump in here and he's going to cut taxes and lower the corporate rate to 15 percent. You know, Sean, I don't know really why we're even having this argument. I find it ridiculous. And I think it's a perfectly waste of good time. Um, it's a great deal for these 1,100 people who this Christmas will have, or for the holiday, will have money within which to buy presents for their families and to you know, continue to pay mortgages or rents um, instead of sending the company over to a foreign country where they're going to earn money. I just don't see the um, I don't see the need to even discuss it. The people that like Mr. Trump, that voted for Mr. Trump, will all acknowledge that this is a great deal. And this is exactly what he talked about during his campaign. See, he's the first person I've heard in a long time that's actually living up to his campaign promises. Those people that don't like Mr. Trump will turn around and say this is a terrible deal, that it's going to cost taxpayer money, it's going to cost federal money, that he's giving something away. And, you know, um, those same naysayers are the ones that are going to benefit from a Trump presidency. And by the way, it's, yeah, the, sa- not, it's the same people like, hang on, it's the same people terrible. like Chris Hahn that never thought Donald Trump would win, did you, Chris? I never thought he'd win, no, I did not. Yeah, so you're wrong well, Chris again. Chris is in a long line of people, including every single uh, including, at including CNN, Donald Trump, every uh, single person over at MSNBC and and others. So no, you're in good company there, Chris. Sean, Sean, you might have been the only person in America who really thought he was going to win. I don't, I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to win, and, and we were wrong. And, and You know what? You want to know why you're wrong and we were right? Because you're arrogant and you have no idea what it means for 13 million more Americans to be in poverty, 8 million I, more to be, I'm sorry, 13 million more to be on food stamps, 8 million more to be in poverty, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years and a doubling of the debt. That's you what you don't understand. Bogus, are you going to use that bogus labor participation rate for Donald Trump in a year? Because... That's a bogus statistic. Okay, you know. so I'm, I'm asking, is it the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, yes or no? No, it's not. Okay, you're factually... And, and your right, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's the biggest bogus made-up statistic Okay, then then, then and here we'll do it. How much do you want to bet, and we'll use the government's own labor statistics number, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, how much are you willing to bet that I'm right and you're wrong? Okay, Sean, if you count children and people who have retired, okay. yes. It's Listen, the we'll use, we'll use the standard we'll standard Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, number, and you just said that I said what I said is inaccurate. I'll bet you any well, amount of money that it, I'm right and you're wrong. The unemployment rate has been calculated the same way forever, and right now it's 4.7%. Okay. I think I, President Obama's okay, but it, for that. But as Donald Trump pointed out, Michael, the, the unemployment number doesn't factor in the chronically long-term unemployed. And it doesn't count in people that they've taken off the rolls, and it doesn't. Look, numbers don't lie. People do. The government has been using these faked up, trumped up, whacked out numbers in order to turn around and to make people feel good. Well, those are the people that are actually working, not the people that aren't working because they're not feeling good and they don't want to be on social service. And what they're looking for is an opportunity. They're looking for hope, inspiration and and again, opportunity. And that's what Donald Trump ran on. And that's what Donald Trump won on. So, Sean and, and Mike. Should we put those people into the 
indictment number now and then on, on December 5th, 2017, hold Donald Trump accountable for that. Hold him that's, accountable for what? You're making I mean, a presumption so this that he's not going to I don't believe. I don't believe it is a relevant statistic. All right, let me, let me give Michael the last look. Michael, you know what's interesting to me is it seems like these people still are living in, in election mode and they don't understand that the world has just changed dramatically. And I think they're having a hard time psychologically dealing with it. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist. So all I can say is it, the fact is a fact. The man won the election. The man will be sworn in on the 20th of January, and he will be the 45th president of the United States of America. Now what we're all supposed to do is join together. We're supposed to unite for one common good, and that's to make America great again. Let's put America first, as Mr. Trump has said throughout his entire campaign, and let's do deals. Let's make sure that America makes good deals and that the American people are able to benefit from it. Michael, let me ask you this question. Are you going to go to Washington? Oh, that's a tough question, Sean. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. How many years have you worked for Mr. Trump? Uh, ten full time and two when I was um, a partner at a um, white glove firm here in the city. So there's a chance. I mean, you could end up going too, right? I'm just I know how close you have been over the years, right? The answer is yes. Okay. I wish him well, and I wish to do more good for him. If I can do more good for him here, um, in you know, um, outside of government, well, that's the position I'll take. If in fact that I can do more good for him while there in Washington, well, then it looks like I'll be moving to Washington. But it's totally his call. As you know, I'm very loyal to him, and this, and I couldn't be more proud to call Mr. Trump my president. All right, Uh, Michael, thank you. Now, Chris, you ought to be listening to the show more. This is maybe why your radio show is not doing well. because you are wrong about Obama being the great hero, the change yeah. agent. He ended up having a disaster on economic and foreign policy. And you are wrong about Trump, and you don't seem to understand what it is that the average American is going through. But if you'd listen to this program more... I listen to you a lot. I will and- help educate you as to where the country's headed, okay? Just keep it up, and, and we'll try and bolster your, your knowledge foundational base. Let's get to our busy phones. We'll go to Florida. Kat is standing by. Kat, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Hi, thanks. Yeah, this is uh, Kat here in Lake Wells, Florida. Um, I'm a Marine and a uh, Marine veteran. I'm also one of the 29 electors for the state of Florida. I've been getting all kinds of postcards, letters, emails, texts, everything you can imagine. All I'm going to say is if I, if I was a Democrat, um, I wouldn't be getting all that stuff. I am a, I am a Christian. I'm, I serve my country. Um, I, I signed an oath. I have a loyalty, and that's what I'm going to do. So, I, I'm, you know, I just don't appreciate all this harassing I'm getting, especially... How many I'm calls trying... are you getting, and are you getting any death threats? Uh, knock on wood, right now, I'm not getting death threats. That's the only thing I'm not getting right now. I think it's because most of the people know me out there, been out there for so long as a veterans advocate, that yeah. they know as a military person that... Um, well, you're getting, kind of... you're getting harassed. I'm getting the ball. I'm getting harassed, even on no. Sundays. Do you know yes, Blaze uh, Ignolio, who we had on the program last week? I heard him. Yes, sir. That's no. our chairman for Florida. Yes, sir. I heard that. Yeah. I heard it was a wonderful. I heard that. Well, yes, listen. Sir. Here's my advice to you. I mean, I guess if people want to communicate with you, you can't stop it. I mean, they do it to me too. And if you saw half of my email on a daily basis, it would probably shock you to your inner solar plexus. But putting that aside, thank you for serving your country. Number one, semper fidelis. Number two. And number three is if you get any real threats, I would report it immediately to law enforcement. And I think the fact that Democrats are just such sore loser crybabies 
and they're trying to intimidate electors and steal the election away from Donald Trump speaks volumes about them. But they're not going to succeed. They're not going to win. It's not going to happen. Um, he won by a decisive margin, and that's the way our system works. Yes, sir. It's done. It's over with. I totally agree with you. I'm, right. prou- I'm proud to do what I'm doing, so it is what it is. All right. Semper Fi, Kat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Fred is in Prospect, PA. What's up, Fred? How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi, hi there, Sean. Um, what I was talking about was the taxes that are built into America, like this carrier thing. Um, I understand what Trump's going, but I don't think he's doing it the right way. All of us have taxes built in. The American manufacturer has a tariff of about 70%. By the time you add up all the, the wage taxes, the payroll taxes, you know, the sales tax, property tax, whatever else you're paying as a business, as a manufacturer, which we are, it's almost like a 70% tariff on American goods. And so the, the thing is, you promoted fairtax.org in the past, remember? Yeah, of course. If, if, we, go to, if we go to a straight retail sales tax, instead of uh, all these other taxes, then the Chinese, Japanese, and all these other goods are going to get the same tariff put on us that we get. And that, and that needs to be reduced. Obviously, a 70% tariff is too much. That's what's happening Listen, right I think now. the fair tax is a great idea. Trump didn't run on it. I don't see that he's going to do that. I think he's pretty much going to stick to his economic plan as promised, which, by the way, has a lot of benefits in it. I mean, you, you go from seven tax brackets to three. You go from a 35% corporate tax rate to 15. I know Paul Ryan wants 20. I think 15 is a lot better. A repatriation rate of 10%. Maybe they could even incentivize companies to spend X millions of dollars in in particular cities that need investment and building factories and manufacturing centers. That would be a good way to incentivize growth and building and and job creation. So, uh, you know, but uh, the way this happens, look... This guy on 60 Minutes last night really impressed me, I, and I have no idea who he is. And so actually, we, we actually booked him for tomorrow. I had no idea who this guy is. They call him the coach. He was a pretty amazing guy, and what he was able to do was take the the, trying, the golden triangle of Mississippi, and he, he would convince the local politicians to build roads and build sewers because he'd fly around in a helicopter. Next thing you know, he brought a helicopter building plant to the Golden Triangle. Then he brought other business, steel business, to the Golden Triangle. Then he brought it. They lost Sarah Lee. He brought another business into the Golden Triangle. And what he did is is very smart. Like for the for the example of the steel mill, what he did is he said, all right, you don't have union problems down here, number one. Number two, we're going to build the power grid for you so that you don't have to. And they invested that money. Now, it's an investment, but they're getting huge dividends because now the amount of government taxes has gone up dramatically. So the little bit of money they invested up front because this guy had the vision to incentivize these companies to come has paid itself over in spades. It's great. And everybody wins. It's just it's smart. You know, look, I don't like the idea. The one thing that I'm concerned about is a hundred billion. What is it? A trillion dollars in infrastructure. If you if Donald Trump and the Republicans and Democrats, this is the one thing they all seem to want to agree on. Oh, let's spend money on infrastructure. If we do it the same old way we always do it, you're you're literally, pardon my French, you're pissing away half that money. That's five hundred billion dollars you're throwing down the the toilet. And you literally do it because these bureaucrats, number one, they're going to use that money for their own power base. They're going to bring money back to projects that don't need to be done. It's The money's going to filter through the bureaucracy. It's going to get watered down that you only get 50 cents on the dollar. Now, if it was me, I would take this guy Higgins, the coach that did all this work at the Golden Triangle. I'd put him in charge of a half a trillion dollars in infrastructure spending 
let him fly over the whole country in helicopters, pick the places that most need jobs and investment, build, use that money to build roads and sewers, incentivize all these multinational corporations to come back to Detroit, Milwaukee, Cleveland, any city, any state that needs growth and jobs and get these people to work. Now, you couple that with energy independence, clean coal and drilling and fracking, and you've got a formula for massive economic growth. Look, if China's economy can grow at 8% a year and we grow at an anemic 1%, it's it's you can't continue to spend the way we spend and not increase government government deficit and debts. So what you got to do is grow the economy. Best way to grow the economy, get people off of food stamps, out of poverty, back to work. They're not costing us any money. Now they're contributing to the tax base and we're creating jobs and goods and services that people want, need and desire. And we're becoming energy independent and we've eliminated Obamacare. So now we have a lot more jobs created in the healthcare sector and Guess what? Lo and behold, you'll be scratching our heads in three years saying, wow, that worked. That's the idea. There are things that work. All right. Carlos, Miami, next on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Carlos, how are you? Hi, how you doing? Congratulations for your show, your team, your producer, your excellent. Keep it up. Last week, I saw your show. You were uh, interviewing a little girl in Ohio, and she did. She she expressed she had been uh, bullied by a teacher, and she didn't back off. And uh, I just wanted to say that yeah. I think that's. Let that's me play. We were in Cincinnati on Thursday, talking about this cute little girl, and she said that her teacher wanted her to write horrible things about Donald Trump. Listen to this. Hey, sweetheart, how are you? What do you want to say? Um, so I did a PowerPoint on Donald Trump. Wow. And- Because you stood up for what your beliefs are, and you didn't let the teacher tell you what to do. Good for you. I mean, that was a pretty brave little girl. That is, that, that's the type of behavior we should embrace. That, that's a shame on that teacher. I think the, the district, uh, school district, should look into that. I'm against bullying, but from an adult to a child and a teacher to a student, that, that's even worse. So uh, keep it up. I, I believe that that's the type of behavior we should embrace for, for, for our daily um, act, activities. And, yeah, here's uh, the here's the problem. You're a kid in college. You want to go to medical school. You want to go to business school, dental school, law school, and now you're risking getting a C or a C minus or a D plus because you stand up to your your liberal radical teacher. Okay, that's going to hurt your chances of success. So it wouldn't be. I I tell kids all the time. If you're willing to get the lower grade, go for it. Otherwise, just be a good little parrot. Regurgitate back what they want to hear. Get your A and move on to the next class. Just know what the truth is. Well, I I think we should stand up tall for what we believe in we got a dream we we believe in something yeah i know but sometimes people dream of being in medical school one one d on your record is not going to help you one d can prevent you from getting into medical school or law school or getting your mba hopefully if we if we embrace that type of behavior that that should lower that 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 shouldn't happen and uh, one other thing my son told me last week that I liked a lot, said, Dad, Trump is going to do a great job. He's building up the Liberty Orchestra. I like that. 
I like that so, a lot. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, you, you're in touch with them a lot, and you have a direct line with them if, if they like it. The, the Liberty Orchestra sounds great. All I right. Think- Thanks, Carlos. I appreciate it, buddy. John is in Albany, New York, listening on uh, WGY. What's going on? How are you, John? Hey, I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I was just wondering if you think after about a year or two of Donald Trump being in office and doing a good job, if you're going to see the mainstream media kind of shift from more of a Democratic, liberal-controlled uh, media to maybe more of a Republican base, and if you think there's going to be maybe some encouragement for maybe some uh, sleeper Republican reporters or journalists to kind of come out and make a different, you know, wave in the whole media. What are you smoking up there in Albany? They're just going to get... <laughs> they, they, no, I'm serious. I know, I'm kidding you about smoking. They're going to get angrier and angrier and angrier, and they're not going to stop. you got to understand something. They want to hurt him and they're going to do everything they can do to hurt him they don't want him to succeed and it's going to be unrelenting and they're they're just not going to stop i mean you know look at did you hear chuck todd over the weekend did you hear hear what he said to donald trump i'm sorry he said it to mike pence you know these guys are not going to stop they're going to go after him every day any way they can and they're going to smear slander distort they're just going to do everything they can i'll give you an example some examples from over the weekend mike pence nailed the double standard in the media over the taiwan call you know it's okay for barack obama to call you know to reach out to dictators in cuba and radical islamists in iran that's fine but donald trump takes a courtesy call from the democratically elected leader in taiwan uh, taiwan that's that's horrible that's horrible um you know i'll give you another example you know the media needs to start calling trump an authoritarian strongman cnn was saying this weekend the classic techniques of a demagogue well the same anchor never called hillary a liar and we know she was a liar you know they want the media to double down on Trump. He's a liar. He's a liar. Um, you know, Elizabeth Warren goes on CNN and calls Steve Bannon a white nationalist. Even that was too much for Anderson Cooper, although he was apologetic for saying, well, he's not really a white supremacist. You know, not really. So, I, you know, I, my prediction is it's going to get ugly. Here's my prediction. My prediction is in two years, especially if he's successful, it's going to get ugly. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Let's go to Aaron is in Jonesboro down in Tennessee. Our thoughts and prayers for the people down in Tennessee, Gatlinburg area, Dollywood area. Um, what's the name of that big resort um, down there? Oh. There's over, over Gatlinburg, there's Dollywood, that sort of thing. Yeah, Dollywood. Sort of and what's the name of the big hotel? It escapes me for a minute. Oh, there's the uh, the uh, Park Vista Hotel. It's up on the. Up no, on the that's mountain. not the one. Okay, I, it's, I, I'm at Gatlinburg, but I'm usually down at the uh, at the uh, poor end of town when I stay. So. <laughs> The, the the nicer places uh, aren't usually the place that I get to go, but it's uh, it is sad. There's a, there's been a lot of tragedy down there, but it's uh, yeah, it's um, sad. But uh, anyway, I have a lot of friends our... down there. I know people have been suffering there in our prayers. What's going on, buddy? Well, it's first off, Mr. Handy. I hope you're having a great afternoon, and um, I've been listening to you for quite a while. Uh, oh, now I remembered. It's the Gaylord, uh, the Gaylord Hotel. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but uh, last week I heard after Mr. Trump had uh, negotiated um, a deal, and of course the first thing that happens is that it starts getting raked over the coals by the media, but 800 jobs are staying in Indianapolis, and um, um, then of course our president has to get on and say, well, how's, he's, he's planning on doing these things, but how's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? Uh, what does, he have a, does he have a magic wand? And the first thing that popped in my head was, uh, it's called The Art of the Deal. It came out almost 30 years ago, how he does his uh, his negotiating and, and his uh, crafting of the of the deals, 
that he um, goes through with, and it's and he does it because he truly enjoys it. But then over the weekend, I've reflected on it, and I realized that Mr. Obama's base and 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 uh, Miss Clinton's base are just take whatever they say at face value. They don't bother to look at any any facts or any background or anything like that. So I just wondered if I could get your input on his comments and the fact that if he'd bothered to do a little bit of reading, he could have understood exactly how Donald Trump is going to do his deals. All right. Well, listen, I think the art of the deal told us a lot about the mindset of Trump. One of the great pieces of advice I took at, out of it, and I've done a lot of business deals in my life, is never be afraid to walk away even at the last second from any deal. Because if you want something too much, you're not in a good Good position to buy it, period. You know, since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Now, they are the heroes that put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Now, Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. Now, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers thankfully paid off his mortgage, and they gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. And with the help of people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers. This is a great mission. They support America's heroes. They're hoping all of us will donate $11 a month so this great work continues. Their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. A new dawn is coming to the U.S. stock market, and it's time to throw out the investment blueprint of the last decade and prepare for a massive shift. If you've lost money over the past two years, this changes everything. Hi, my name is Mark Chaikin, and I was hired to create three new indices for the NASDAQ based on what I've learned in 50 years on Wall Street. So believe me when I tell you this shift could send dozens of stocks soaring sky high in just the next 90 days. But this is an extreme setup I haven't seen in years since before the 2020 crash. The last time this happened, you could have more than tripled your money by just owning one stock. And I'm revealing this number one stock to buy today, 100% free of charge at newaistock.com. The question is why? Because everyday Americans will be impacted mostly by what's coming. And I want you to be on the right side of the table when this shift happens. Don't delay. Just visit www.newaistock.com. 